She has gone from being a student at Calvary Christian School in Columbus to ministering to students in faraway Columbia. We're going to hear her inspiring journey coming up. There is the word, there is the way, and brothers and sisters who find strength in their belief. We meet Faces of Faith with Phil Scoggins. And welcome to another edition of Faces of Faith. I'm Phil Scoggins, and we are going to be taking this internationally tonight because my podcast guests are coming to us from Finlandia, Colombia. And we want to introduce to you Carson Manessis and her husband, Asen. Carson and Asen are missionaries, and Carson is from Columbus. So say hello to the folks, uh, Carson and Asen. Hello, folks. Hello. <laughs> we appreciate you being willing to spend the next hour of your time explaining to our viewers and our listeners uh, what your mission is there in Columbus. But Carson, we're going we're gonna to put Asen on hold just for a little bit because you're from Columbus. And we want the folks uh, to understand the Columbus connection here. So let's start with uh, where you grew up and a little bit about where you went to school and, and your family. Talk to us okay. a little bit about that. Okay. Well, I grew up, obviously, Columbus um, at Calvary Christian School since I was three years old until I graduated. <laughs> so my whole life. Um, I was very involved in church ever since I was a little girl. My grandparents, both sets of grandparents, um, and obviously my parents, we all went to the same church together, um, just grew up very involved in whatever way I could be involved in church, um, going to all the services, participating in little clubs and groups that also the church had. Um, and then of course, going to a Christian school, learning, you know, Bible, uh, having Bible class every day, devotions, chapels on Thursdays. And so just really grew up. <laughs> learning a lot about the Bible and about God. So, well, I, I heard a, a story. I don't know uh, if it's true, but I think it was, it came from your dad that, that you said at some point as early as eight years old that you would like to consider becoming a missionary. Yes. So I became a Christian, I guess, whenever I was really little, I remember it was um, a special event at the church for kids called the Wright Brothers. Um, they came in and talked to the kids about Jesus. And I was very, very young, like probably five years old. I don't know, just really young. And I remember raising my hand to accept Jesus that, that night um, with one of my best friends. And um, after that, the church would have um, Evangel Temple, where I went. Uh, they had like a lot of missionaries come and speak. And I remember one uh, specific night, there was a missions night and people dressed up mm -hmm. um from like places around the world and then served food from places around the world that's all i remember and i remember i dressed up as part of the japanese culture <laughs> and um anyways i just remember that night being just very intrigued by the different cultures and everything and ever since then i was just it was something in the back of my mind i also when i was little <laughs> since i was so surrounded by you know, people talking to me about Jesus and mm -hmm. um, learning the Bible. I love to tell other people about it when I was really young. <laughs> I remember one time sitting underneath a table at Mazio's Pizza during my brother's baseball, or I think it was T-ball, his T-ball uh, party at uh -huh. the end of the year, his little awards party. Me and one of the other sisters were sitting underneath the table I don't know if we were playing hide and seek. I'm not really sure. But I remember praying with her to accept Jesus when I, we were really young, like eight years old, probably. Um, so I was just always just very excited to tell people about Jesus and talk about Jesus. And it was just obviously a big part of my my heart and my life back then. Are you learning um, a little bit about more about her, Asen, after hearing some of this? Have you heard this before? Yes, sir. I've heard all this. She also wanted to be a, a dolphin uh, trainer at some point. but Yeah, of course, I, as getting older, I would change my mind about what I wanted to be every year. Uh -huh. One year was a dolphin trainer. That turned into marine biologist, uh -huh. <laughs> which turned into teacher, which turned into chef, which turned into all different things. Um, finally, in high school, I started focusing on... Um, Theater, I was really interested in theater, and I wanted to study theater education, so that's kind of where I shifted, um, like, 
my dreams, I guess. That's what I, I just really wanted to be in theater. Um, I started a theater program kind of at Calvary. Um, I begged my teacher, Miss Dawson, since ninth grade. <laughs> she was my homeroom teacher. I begged her to start um, a theater class. And so finally we got started with literary arts. That's as much theater as we got into was literary arts, but it was a step in the right direction or so I thought. <laughs> so I thought I wanted to be in theater education. Um, I went to CSU for a year. Um, you had to audition to get into the theater program. Um, I made it, I don't know how, I completely butchered the audition. I forgot the lines <laughs> to the monologue I was supposed to do, but they told me they saw potential, so they accepted me. Um, so I thought that was God telling me, okay, that's what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. What I think at the time, it was God just telling me to stay put at home at, in Columbus for the time being. Quickly, after a couple weeks, learned that wasn't for me. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. It, it just, I would cry like <laughs> after classes. I just, I didn't feel like I was where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. um, so the next semester, I just kind of left the theater program and started doing general studies and I just felt very lost. Um, and that's kind of when the missions, um, like calling, I guess you could say, it started coming back to my mind um, and kind of like, you know, it was like God giving me hints, like, remember, this is what you used to want to do. Um, and I had the opportunity to go to Bulgaria, actually, with another local church in Columbus, a Christ community, to work with some missionaries there um, that they grew up at Calvary. The um, Miss Didi, the, the Galloways, Didi Galloway, she was a teacher at Calvary. They were very involved at Cal in Calvary, and I had an opportunity to go there um, in the summer after my first year of college and first and only year of college. And... Whenever I was in Bulgaria, it was a 10-day trip, but I had people speak to me and tell me that they felt like that I was just in my zone or in my, uh, what do you call it? Like, they just saw me, like, happy. They saw mm -hmm. me uh, and, and it encouraged me that maybe that's what I should think about doing. Um, and it felt right. It just felt right. Um, and then after that, I went on a nine-month trip to um, three different countries and stayed three months. And it, it was a missions trip um, from out of Gainesville, Georgia. There's a, a ministry there called Adventures in Missions, and they send out all types of groups of young people all around the world um, to partner with local ministries, pastors, um, Sometimes they send them out to find ministry, ministry, uh, ministry, sorry, and pastors. It's just, they do a lot. And so I had the opportunity to do that and kind of like, okay, like test it out for nine months and see. So what and countries were you uh, sent to? We were in Honduras for three months okay. in Thailand for three months and then South Africa for three months. And in Honduras, I, the first week was very hard. Um, other than that, the entire trip was amazing. And I mean, of course I miss my family and friends, but I just, I just loved what we were doing. And I loved, you know, being immersed in the cultures. And I do remember the first week I'd call my mom and say, oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Can I come home? And of course my parents encouraged me. Um, they encouraged me from the very beginning. They said, if this is what God wants you to do, he will provide the way he will provide the money and you will know, and it'll be from him that that's what you need to be doing. So they were very supportive from the beginning. And, um, that was also very helpful <laughs> to have them on my side. Cause I know a lot of people that went on that trip that their parents didn't agree with what they were doing or didn't understand. And anyways, and when I was in Honduras, I really felt connected or like a connection to Latin America. Um, I thought it was going to be in Honduras. I actually went back after the nine-month trip and stayed about eight months in Honduras before coming to Colombia the first time. So when did you uh, develop the the language? Was that done in school or once you got in the field? Um, I studied 
just like, I think three years of Spanish in high school, and I really loved it. It was always my highest grade, and um, I just, I really enjoyed it. I had a really good teacher, Miss McGowan. She was a very good teacher. Um, and then I studied a, a semester in college, but whenever I got to Honduras, obviously I wasn't able just to go on the streets talking to people. I had to learn, make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> um, but after being immersed in the culture in Honduras, the first time, and then going back after the nine-month trip, um, is where I really started to learn a lot of Spanish. Probably about three to four months it took for me to be able to, I guess, begin to be fluent. Now, at some point, you um, were given an opportunity to go to Colombia and describe, because that sets the stage for the handsome young fella sitting to your right and uh, <laughs> the the way that y'all met. So, so bring us through the steps in the process that, that brought you to Falandia. Okay. Um, so whenever I was still in Honduras, by that time I was speaking, you know, pretty fluent Spanish. I had the opportunity to go actually with Evangel Temple, with the church, to um, do a mission, a short-term mission trip, just a week, to do a health brigade, to be a translator um, for a big health brigade they were going to do. But that was actually in the north. That's very far away from where we are now, the north of Colombia on the coast. Um, but there I got in contact with some other missionaries that, um, have family here that are missionaries, um, here in Armenia, um, near Finlandia. Um, and then after, after that, I sort of saw God like transi transitioning me out of Honduras and maybe Colombia was my, my next place to go. Um, so the next year I was able to come for three months to work with those missionaries here in, in Armenia. And during that time, excuse me, during that time, we, um, I was helping them translate for another team of missionaries that came from Virginia Tech and ASIN, that's where I met ASIN. He was helping them in their ministry. Um, they, have a, they had a university ministry where they basically had like church for university students. And so he spoke English, I spoke Spanish. We were translators for that group that week and that's kind of how we got to know each other so asen you are from that area correct yes sir i'm from armenia uh, just 20 minutes away from where we work and talk to us about your your experiences growing up what was it like being uh you know raised in a uh, obviously a, a country that um and again I probably need to ask you, describe Finlandia, describe the area that you live in so that we get a feel for the culture that's there, the people who live there, and their need to hear the, the message that y'all are bringing to them. Yeah, um, so the majority of Colombians are Catholics, and uh, but they're Catholics uh, just by tradition. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that they practice their faith or let's say they go to a service regularly. Um, and that's the way I, I was brought up. I was Catholic by tradition. Mm -hmm. um, so then Finlandia is a very small village. It's, uh, it's a small town. Everybody almost knows each other and you know, the, everything goes by, by word. Um, so what kind of population are we talking about? Any idea? Population? I think so in the main areas, like in the, actual town area i think it's around five thousand six thousand okay people but if you if you count all the areas around and the farms and finlandia is in the middle it's like the little village and then surrounding there are probably 20 or so um farm communities yeah. okay so spread people spread out in farms living in those areas and i think that population is like thirteen thousand. Yeah, the whole... so 13,000 counting the people inside of the actual village okay. in the farm areas. So you went to school in, uh, in, in and around where you're living now? Yes, sir. So I went to a school that had to do a lot with uh, bringing up teachers um, and teaching how to teach. Mm -hmm. um, you see, I, I, I start seeing this as I became a Christian, all these divine appointments I like to call him because yeah. even then I was learning how to teach and I remember that I used to not like it. I just always wanted to do something else because I was always listening about teaching. 
And uh, it was a really good school that taught me the fundamentals of, of you know, teaching very complex things even. Um, and then, um, so I graduated from that school and then I went into college and I tried to do this, uh, I tried to, to, to do a career that is basically how to teach English as a second language and also uh, French, but I did not do go good with French. I just like the French food, pastries, and everything. But... <laughs> I'm with you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> French, the language is very hard, so I didn't do that part. Uh-huh. But anyways, uh, and it was through that that I got to meet to meet Carson, and uh, you know everything from there. It's just been an adventure that I, I wouldn't change anything about it. And it was a big blessing, also, because we both spoke each other's languages instead of us having to like talk and get to know each other in just one of the languages where maybe the other person couldn't fully be their self Mm -hmm. because different, I think when you speak different languages, different parts of your personality show up in different ways. It's weird, but that was a big blessing because I know a lot of people that um, maybe marry a Colombian and they only have to speak Spanish to that person. And, you know, things can get mis you know, you can have some miscommunications. Mm -hmm. So anyways, that was a big blessing that we both spoke each other's languages. We could talk to each other's families. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was, of course, the Lord. (laughs) Yeah, that didn't change the fact, though, that I was very nervous to meet him all. (laughs) Well, tell me, uh, Asen, about your walk with the Lord. When when did you uh, give your heart to him and and make the commitment to want to do something uh, and live your life for him? So I was brought up Catholic, and I knew very, very little about God, very little about Jesus. I just, you know, I, I had it in my mind as a story that happened too many years ago that it wasn't, that I didn't know the relevance to that. Uh, it wasn't until I was in college, and my best friend uh, growing up, he has been a Christian almost his entire life. And he invited me to translate for this other team of, of missionaries that came down here to evangelize. And so I was going to be translating the, uh, the testimonies of these people, the stories of these people. And I remember, I remember one of the guys that came down here, he was telling a story about how when he was 12, he was living in the streets. But I, I couldn't believe that, so I translated it as if it was when he was 21. Because, you know, okay. for some reason I got confused anyways. But then, like, knowing these little things about, like, okay, people in the States, like, uh, they like to follow Jesus, too. They know who Jesus is. I was listening to them all the time talking about what Jesus did in their lives. Mm-hmm. So at the end of that week uh, that they were here, they did this big event. And uh, I remember the guy, the pastor, just asked for people to do something bold. And follow choose to follow Jesus and from since that moment I have uh made my choice to follow him every day and I have no regrets. Amazing. I wanna know what was it about Carson and Carson what was it about Asen that let y'all know this was the one? Well hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I um never had really um relationships when I was in high school or younger or anything. <laughs> Um, I went to Calvary and we were all just like basically brothers and sisters. So (laughs) there was not a lot of dating going on that much. So anyways, I started kind of experiencing that a little bit when I was in Honduras, but with the wrong people, um, people that were not wanting the right thing, not people of Jesus. Um, and so whenever I met Asen, I saw a person that was very um, driven, someone very driven. I remember him telling me that whenever he first became a Christian, he told the pastors in the church, he's like, I want to be a part of this because if I'm not, if I, if I don't have responsibilities, I might slip away. I want to like, if I have to clean the toilets, I'll come and clean the toilets, but give me something to do here in the church that helps me stay connected, even if it's washing toilets. And I just always thought things like that about ASIN was just what I really 
it was just something different that I hadn't seen in mm-hmm. a lot of people before. And um, especially men that I, yeah. boys, I guess you could say, <laughs> from the past. And so it was just, I just saw someone very driven and very serious about their walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that was very attractive to me. <laughs> yeah. And we also had the same taste in music, which <laughs> was, yeah. I remember that being our That's first true. conversation. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was also that, you know, we, we were dreaming about being missionaries and, and telling people about Jesus. And that was for me the biggest thing because I dated in the past and really with no purpose or no vision. And with her, I had this vision that we could do something bigger than ourselves. And that was for me uh, what what drove me closer. And also that she is very attractive. So <laughs> That's a big plus. I know. It's a whole package. So when um, when was the decision made that you would get married? And tell me how your families reacted and responded to the <laughs> proposition that especially Carson was going to be staying in Colombia. Well, I think my parents and I think my whole family knew that I was probably going to be not in the States. I didn't. I hate to say it, but at that time I didn't want to be in the States. It wasn't because of them. I love them. <laughs> And I always missed them, but I just, I never felt like I was doing much there. And I just, I liked being in other countries and whatever. Oh, I like speaking Spanish. And so I think they kind of already knew that that was coming, but um, I think, or no, I don't think I know that whenever we met each other, we were friends. Um, we met each other in February one night and we started really being becoming friends like in March, April of 2015. And then I left in April and came back a couple times for short-term trips during the summer. Um, and then in July, Asim proposed all of a sudden, but he did talk to my dad before on Skype. And what did my dad say? He did tell that was on Skype. So I was telling him that I was considering marrying her. I mean, his daughter, uh, he told us to wait, but, uh, you know, get to know each other. He wasn't, like, opposed to it, but he, he, he recommended. He had peace. He had peace about it. Okay. He, and then I proposed the next day, so. Uh, <laughs> so you've been married uh, five, six years yeah. now. How long? Five. We just, we just celebrated our fifth year anniversary in January. All right. Congratulations, <laughs> y'all. But we got married six months after. <laughs> we... <laughs> We were only engaged for six months. When you know, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it so, was all very sudden and fast, but here in Colombia, the culturally in churches, um, they don't encourage dating, really. It's interesting. It's sort of interesting. So unless you know you're going to get married to that person, you're not really allowed to date. And if you are dating, then you'll get in trouble or whatever. So it's kind of, it was a little bit complicated um, on that side. And that's kind of why we, we wanted to date and we knew we wanted to, you know, marry each other. So that's kind of why we went ahead and got engaged because obviously we knew, but also it was kind of complicated culturally here. And then me working here as a missionary and stuff like that, it was just, it's just what made sense. (laughs) Well, let's talk about uh, your, your mission there, uh, your, your ministry there. Describe for folks that uh, are joining this podcast and, and have not heard of, uh, of, what, of who you are and who you're associated with, how you got to be missionaries in Colombia. Describe that process and, and just tell us what you do there. Okay. So we are um, partnered with an agency, a missions agency out of um, Marietta or Kennesaw, Kennesaw, Marietta, Marietta area, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and World they're Out, called World, World Outreach, Outreach Ministries. Yep. World Outreach Ministries. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just send independent missionaries all over. Well, they don't necessarily send. You pretty much just like come up with your own ministry and project, and they support you. They give you the um, all of the legal backing, and they provide different sources, different um, encouragement videos, different. Yeah. They have a lot of Resources. training, and uh, they, they're just your home office in the States. They, they take care of all of your donations. But anyways, um, so what we do is that we have our, our own nonprofit in Colombia, 
through which we do everything. All of our programs are done through that. Um, so, especially in the area that we live, we need that credibility. Yeah. We're not just a random couple asking kids to come to their house to <laughs> yeah. talk about religion or something like that. We started working in um, an Assemblies of God church with a local pastor that we became very close to. But the problem was that a lot of people are not interested in going to church, just like in most places, just like everywhere. They're just not interested. They feel they felt judged by the Christians. The the In the States, similar issues happen. But here, it's very divided between churches, between dom- denominations. Um, there's not unity. There's just not unity, especially once you get into the smaller um, villages. Not, maybe now in the cities, it's getting a little bit better. But in the small villages, it's just very, 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 very difficult, um, very divided and separated. And um, a lot of people don't want to get involved with people like that. And it's understandable. So we decided that we wanted to open a place outside of the church building so that anyone would feel comfortable to come. And obviously it was going to be a place that was led by God. God leads us and we lead the place. Um, but we didn't want to put a church name on it for that reason, because of the negativity that people see. Um, people know we're Christians. We teach uh, Sunday school. We've taught Sunday school ever since we started. I'll talk about that in a second, but we teach from Christian sources. We teach from the Bible, and so people know that. Um, but we just, at the time, felt like it was the best move to be able to open our doors to more people than, you know, because a lot of churches also don't want to accept really Catholic people and stuff like that. And a lot of people will call themselves Catholic and we didn't want to turn anyone away. Um, We just really wanted to provide a space that anyone would feel comfortable and safe. in. So we made that transition during the transition. We actually, we didn't have a place for a while, a physical building that we could meet in. So we met and uh, we started our Sunday school in a friend's living room. We uh, stopped doing the church. We, we actually started at the church. We were doing Sunday school youth group there in the church. Um, we took a week break. And then the next week, one of our friends that we had recently met through the church was like, okay, why don't you come to my house? And in my living room, you can do Sunday school. So we just invited kids from the neighborhood to come. And we started doing that every Sunday. We started to get to know some of the neighborhood kids and their families and started doing things like English classes with some of the families that were interested. Or um, we would go help this person with their homework that they needed help with. And that was kind of our uh, main, uh, like our main motive for uh, opening a place. We really wanted to provide a place to help children with their homework because we were noticing second and third graders that were failing out of second and third grade. And it was just because they didn't have someone there to help them to sit with them while they did their homework. Cause you know, maybe they had a single mom or they lived with their grandmother that didn't learn how to read herself. Mm-hmm. Just lots of different issues that we saw. And we were like, okay, let's like, that's something we could help with. Um, yeah. So we, we try to like um, help these people with their needs, whether it's homework, whether it's, a place where they can learn something new. We have had different after-school programs. We have taught the kids etiquette. Uh, we have taught the kids English. Um, but also, we're just we're just trying to provide this place where the kids can can know about who God is and who who Jesus is. Yeah, that's also our main motive, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever we didn't have a building, we were meeting in cafes, people's houses, restaurants, wherever we could find space. Um, We started looking for a place to rent out there because we actually live in Armenia, which is the capital city of the region, Quindío. Um, By the way, it's smack dab in the middle of the coffee region, so we have really good coffee here. But anyways, we actually lived in Armenia. Well, we still live in Armenia, and we were trying to find a place out in Finlandia to either live or have the ministry. Um, We went to the mayor's office. Um, which is like just the central office where you can pretty much go to get anything done and ask, is there any type of a room we could use? Is there like a a classroom? Is there a community center that has a room? 
And they basically just kind of didn't listen to us. And they said, if you want to help, let's go out to some of these rural schools. And we we're like, what's a rural, like, what's that? We didn't, I didn't know what that was. They have schools in the village. And then in each of the farm communities, they have a schoolhouse where preschool to fifth grade kids go to school and they have one teacher. It's like an old school kind of schoolhouse. They walk to school, you know, or ride their bike or whatever. And they explained to us in the mayor's office that those schools were very um, forgotten. Not a lot of people helped them. They were, of course, kids and families that were, you know, a little bit more in need financially or things like that than actually in the village. And of course, they saw that we spoke English and they're like, you can teach English out there. So they took us to three of those farm communities that day, or I don't remember if it was the same day, or we, we set up a meeting to go anyways. Um, and we got to know the teachers, and we saw the kids, and we took long rides. Their transportation, when you um, want to go from the village to a farm community, is on the back of an old 19 what? What do you think? How old do you think? There is like 1970s, 1980s. 1960s. <laughs> jeep mm -hmm. and it's all open and you stand or sit in the back of it and you go down these uh bumpy roads they're not paved and you get to these farm communities almost like it's not the jungle but there's trees there's it's beautiful it's a very beautiful drive but it's bumpy <laughs> so we took a couple hours that day to go visit these schools and we were like okay like if this is something that's a need like a, a big need in the community we want to do something for this community then we'll see what we can do. But the most interesting thing is we were still looking for a place in Finlandia because we still wanted and we still felt led to be, you know, like our headquarters or whatever in Finlandia. Um, that same day, we were driving around. We used to pretty much drive around the same street, like see the main streets to see if there was anything for rent, anything at all. We saw a lot of stuff for sale, but we obviously couldn't buy something. And we were going to turn to go up uh, a road we always go up to go to the main square of the village and it was blocked there was a big semi truck um, doing some construction or something and when that happens they pretty much just block the street for however long they need to do what they do so we're like oh okay well that's inconvenient we were annoyed we were like this is so annoying so we had to go a different way that we never used to go down that street we used to go on the same street every time we had to take a wrong turn. It wasn't a wrong turn. It was the right turn. But um, we found a place that said for, for rent. We called immediately. They told us the price. We looked at the place. It was very small. It was not beautiful, but it was perfect. And so we started renting it pretty much immediately. And that was just obviously another one of those divine appointments that Asen talks about that I mean, we wouldn't have gone that way if it wasn't for that truck in the way. We wouldn't have. We never went that way. And so we started opening up our doors and finally started, we were able to do our own um, or have our own space to do our Sunday school. And we started doing a after school program, which at the time we didn't really know. We were very um, unorganized at the time. And, you know, also we were just recently married and we were trying to figure out like, our dynamic in our marriage with the sure. cultures and just in general trying to like set up our house. Um, we also had bought a car. We asked people that went to our wedding instead of giving us gifts, we couldn't bring a bunch of gifts. We asked for money for a car. Mm -hmm. um, so we were beautiful wedding, was, by the way. <laughs> I was oh, yeah. You you contributed to that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and anyway, so that car situation was stressful. There was just a lot going on. So we just opened up an after-school program that basically was a daycare at the time. <laughs> we would just try to do whatever we could with the kids to keep them entertained. Um, and then after a couple, almost a full year, I think. No, it was about six months, I think, in that place. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure. We were able to become a nonprofit here so that it would be first of all, appropriate. And we had some credibility to back us up because, you know, you tell people you're with a mission state agency in Marietta, Georgia, they don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> that's how Fundacion Pionero started. That was the hardest part 
was to come up with a name. It translates to Pioneer Foundation. Um, we did not know what to name the foundation. It was very difficult. <laughs> we would think of a name and look it up and that already existed in Colombia or things like that. Um, we came up with a name listening to a Hillsong um, sermon. And it was about how Christians are pioneers. And anyway, so Fundacion Pioneros was born. <laughs> and I think it was September of 2017. Mm -hmm. um, so then after we became a foundation, we were going out to the, the farm schools twice to three times a week to the different farm schools to teach English. And we said, if we're going to teach English, you have to let us teach Bible too. So we were able to take our Sunday school classes and teach those out there as well. Um, and we were doing that and then doing some of our after school programs. And then the after school program and the Sunday school, the space was too small. It became too small. We were like, oh, what are we going to do now? It was so hard to find this place. What are we going to do? Seriously. What, like we need a bigger space. What are we going to do? Whatever. Like, we still were looking a little bit, couldn't find anything. <laughs> By saying bigger space, then your ministry was growing, more were coming? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. We were having more kids. Mm -hmm. um, we were getting more things. I mean, we started with a, a cardboard box of leftovers, leftover material from other nonprofit that uh, a friend sent us down here. A friend that I actually met on that first trip to Columbia with the Health Brigade. Mm -hmm. She worked in a, also a nonprofit. And she wanted to send us some supplies. She sent us a cardboard box with leftover markers, crayons, uh, Play-Doh, stuff like that. That's what we started with. And we also bought a um, styrofoam cooler that we would take the snacks in. <laughs> so that's all we had at first. So that little house that we were renting seemed big enough. But once we were getting tables and chairs and a refrigerator and toys and all these different things in there, we didn't have the space. And then with the kids, um, so we were like, what are we going to do? Couldn't find anything. Yeah. And next door, <laughs> the lady, a lot of the houses here are split by full, like a uh, level. So the first, in the first floor, someone will live there. And then the second floor, somebody else will live. It'll just be split. Um, so the lady next door that lived upstairs, she had downstairs, she had an ice cream shop and a flower shop. And she called me over one day randomly. She said, come here. Would y'all want to rent this house? I had never said that to her ever. It was the same exact price as what we were paying in the old house and bigger, yeah, nicer, the, bigger. Um, go ahead. The interesting part is that that same week we have been so exhausted, just going around the village, looking for a bigger place. And we just sat down and prayed, okay, if, if we need to get a bigger place, the big, this big place is going to come to us. And, you know, we were praying, we were, we didn't know what was going to happen. And then this lady just comes to our door and literally offers the place. Here it is. Um, <laughs> so that was another divine appointment. And again, we basically immediately started renting out that place. We, we actually rented the two out um, at the same time, but that got too expensive and a little bit. It just wasn't worth it to keep renting yeah. the two places. So now we're in the, where the old ice cream shop used to be. Um, what before the pandemic what we were focusing on was of course sunday school classes that's been our main thing um that we've never stopped doing we started um changing the after school program to focus more on tutoring the kids um and either reading or writing or whatever they need help on or they can just take their homework and get assistance with their homework or just take their homework and get a little bit of motivation <laughs> and have someone watch them do it um, and we started doing like some extracurricular classes. So we did English class. We were doing etiquette class, which was a big one because we noticed the kids would, instead of saying, oh, excuse me, they would just push the person next to them to, <laughs> to get to where they wanted to. They wouldn't say, excuse me, little things like that. We were like, okay, they need to learn some manners. Um, and that was a really fun class that actually was also interesting because I took a, we had an etiquette class back at Calvary when I was in sixth grade. And that was kind of like our, my inspiration of doing that. Um, anyways, we just started doing some extracurricular um, classes with the kids so that they also would be in a safe place where they could kind of um, develop maybe some... Some different skills. Yeah, different skills or like 
maybe they didn't know they liked English or that they were good at English, but we gave them a place where it was free, where they could go and maybe see, or we would do like a, a recreational class where we would play different sports that maybe they weren't used to. So like we taught them how to play kickball. <laughs> that's not really a sport. That's just a game, but little things like that, that um, just kind of to keep them motivated to first of all, not be on the streets, not be doing things they shouldn't be doing, not being in the house, being lazy. Um, a little addition to kind of like a side note, I guess. Um, Finlandia is not, whenever you go and you see the, the village of Finlandia, you don't see shacks. You don't see people bathing with buckets. Um, you know, you see the kids with their hair. Uh, well trained. They, they wear good clothing. They don't have rotten teeth or anything like that. Uh, but the need that we find there is that there is that this big emotional need that you know uh, they don't they don't have the time to um, with their parents do their homework or the the dad just goes to, to the states and works and he never gets to see his kid or so it's so a, it's, it's, it's a, a lot, lot of psychological things that an emotional it's almost like a psychological and emotional poverty that poverty that we've seen over the years and that people have also told us about. We actually met with a psychologist um, a couple, that was about maybe five, six months ago, and he was telling us about some of the psychological problems that are unique just to Finlandia. There's a lot of depression there. There's just a, a ton of depression. There's a lot of suicides. Um, so there's just a lot of psych, like just a darkness in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, it's becoming a very touristy, a lot of tourists are going to visit Finlandia because it's beautiful there. The architecture is classic, uh, traditional Colombian architecture. People love going out there to visit on a Sunday. Um, so everyone in the village, as Asen says, they put their happy face on and they go to work and, you know, try to make some money. And then during the week. The streets are empty. Um, there's a lot of, I don't like to use the word laziness. I think it's more depression that people stay in their homes. It comes off as laziness, but I don't think that's what it is. I think there's just a lot of depression. So that's another thing that we started seeing and we wanted to provide a place where the kids could at least, maybe, even if it was just come get out of the house, uh -huh. even if it was just come to come and laugh with their friends um just to provide like that safe place for them so um, what happened when the pandemic hit and how has that impacted your ministry and and the, the effect it's having on the kids yeah so at first the government decided to put us all in lockdown uh that went on for like three months very strict lockdown uh so we were not allowed to do anything uh, we actually we were doing all of those classes and we had more kids than ever signed up for those extracurricular classes. And we obviously had to stop that. So the only thing we could do at that time was to help them with their homework virtually. And we would send out little um, Bible lessons, virtual Bible lessons and like devotions a few times a week and stuff like that. That was really all we did for a while. Um, finally, we were able, we tried different, lots of different <laughs> things. And we were finally able to um, talk with uh, the mayor's wife, who the mayor's wife in Finlandia is actually over like, what would you call that? Like a like community project, community. social and community project. Mm -hmm. There's no budget there at all. <laughs> she just kind of heads up if people from the community want to do some type of a project. And she allowed us to take um, groceries, like food out to our kids that were um, signed up to their families that were signed up um, in yeah. the foundation. We were able to take them like food baskets, but we all, it was Easter at that time. So we were able to add in a little Easter activity. Um, One we, or two Easter eggs. We put together little packets for Easter <laughs> and also the Bible story, some crafts, some snacks, stuff like that. Um, so once we made the connection with the woman, with the mayor's wife, she also gave us the opportunity to go out to the village. We had to get a special, um, almost like a permit. Yeah. <laughs> we had to get a special like ID badge that led us into the village. They were, they had military people in 
the entrances of all of the villages in all of Colombia. You couldn't travel even domestically. You could only do ne necessary things like go to the doctor and go to the grocery store. Um, you couldn't even go outside and exercise for a while. They only let us exercise for like from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. It was very strict. So she finally got us these special ID badges that let us in to the village. And we started helping her with a couple other people from the community do a food bank. So we would go out a couple times a week and get food baskets ready and um, take them out to villages, take them around to people in the village. And we were also sometimes able to use our ID badge to go to our foundation and do stuff. So we used that time to paint, repaint everything, um, do some cleaning, reorganizing and stuff like that. And then after that, once we had the ID badge, they, they knew us at the entrance and we were able to go in and we would do sometimes, uh, again, we would, I think we did another um, grocery basket well, we for did the family. VBS too. Oh yeah, we did a VBS packet where they did VBS on. We filmed um, VBS lessons with a couple friends, uh, and then we put them on hard or not hard drives. We put them on USBs. Mm -hmm. um, put that in their packet with snacks and a, like a schedule for them to do the VBS. That was really fun. Um, then we also did that for like Halloween. We always do a big not Halloween themed, but like a third on the October 31st, Halloween is like evil for Christians here. So that's unheard of for there to be anything that's actually like something good for the kids on the 31st. So we always like to do something fun, like an outreach on that day. We did packets for that. And it was also really interesting. We had to be creative <laughs> during COVID because like Asen said, we were I mean, by even October, the kids weren't even allowed out until September, I think. They were, the kids weren't allowed out of their houses until September. People, we, he started, uh, the president started lifting um, some of the restrictions on, you know, adults, but the kids could not go anywhere. Um, so we had to be very creative for that. We got the kids to be the ones that were actually doing the outreach. They had to share something with a neighbor um they had to share like a little card that said jesus loves you or something with a neighbor and so anyways it was it was interesting but we had to just be creative and finally when they let kids out we were able to start back but now the kids still aren't in school they're still doing virtual learning and they have not gone back to school yet and it's been over a year mm -hmm. um so right now we're providing a place where they can go if they want to go connect to their virtual classes um, if they want in the afternoons, we have <clears throat> schedules for them to go, um, uh, do their homework, get help with their homework. Um, if they don't have homework, they go and we try to teach them something. We try to help them reinforce some type of their, uh, one of their school subjects. Yeah. Um, so we really never came to a full stop. We just, uh, adapted and and you know, got to see a lot of more needs that are that are in Finlandia, and eventually we our our vision is to go in and help them with that need. And the biggest need that they have uh, to know about Jesus, I I think that that's the most important thing with everything that we do, uh, whether it is by giving groceries, whether it is with uh, a package with activities, we just want them to know that they're loved and cared for, and this is. Thanks to people that are in the States too, that support us and help us do this, like you, Mr. Phil. Absolutely. Uh, for those that are listening and, and would, would want to, uh, to support you, what would be the best way to go through the, um, uh, the foundation's website, perhaps? Yeah, so we just came with uh, our own website. Mm -hmm. It's fundacionpionerscolombia.org. And uh, that's our own website, and they can know more about us in that part. Uh, since it's so new, you probably will not be able to find it on Google, but if you type the right address, it will take you to that. Uh, we're also in World Outreach Ministries. If you go look it up and you go to uh, donate to a missionary, there is a profile for us, and you can go and donate. There have many ways to donate. Uh, like You can do it online, you can do it by mail. There's even stocks to donate, and they, they're really good at that. So they'll take really good care of you. We also always ask for just support with prayer. <laughs> um, prayer, 
to support us in prayer and to su support us praying for the people that we work with. Um, prayer is very powerful and we, we really believe that God does a lot through prayer. Our, in the future, we are looking right now actively for land or a house to buy. Um, right now, the place that we have is too small, especially with COVID. ASIN has done an amazing job. He's made um, personal tables and desks for the kids so that we can, you know, have physical distance and mm -hmm. things like that. But we need a bigger space <laughs> and to be able to grow it all. Right now we're at full capacity. We can't do much more. How many, um, how many kids are you talking about right now? We have about 60-ish right now, um, but we can really only have at a time up to 12 or 14 12 to max. 14 once there's 14 it's it's getting crowded mm -hmm. um, we also have recently started a youth group that we have about 15 kids coming there it's way too many we have to split them in two groups and go in two separate rooms because it's just they don't fit mm -hmm. in in the small spaces that are in the house that we currently rent so right now we are praying and it's difficult that's a whole nother story the, since it's so touristy out in Finlandia, the real estate is unreal. It's so expensive. You won't, you wouldn't believe how expensive it is. But we know God has a plan. We know God has put us here. <laughs> we know we're here for the long haul. Um, and, you know, we just, as Asen said, we, we really just try to listen to the Lord and do whatever he is giving, is presenting us in the moment. Um, at one point, it was helping in the farm schools. Uh, at another point, it was partnering with the church. During COVID, it was partnering with the mayor's wife to give out food. We just really try to be very aware of what where God is placing us at the moment. And we see ourselves here long term. And to be able to do that, we're going to need to take a very big leap of faith. Um, so your podcast is called Faces of Faith, right? Correct. So really, I think what we are is just a testimony of you know, there's people that come to our place, um, and I, I don't believe it's only because of the good time they have there. I mean, that's part of it, but that's not the main reason they come there. They come there to know about another, a different lifestyle that when I was a kid, I didn't know about. That when I was a kid, I didn't know who Jesus was and what he could do for me. So I think that we're just a living testimony that there's people that just have a gap and they want to fill it with whatever thing they think is right, but they're looking for something else. And, and we believe that is Jesus. And we believe that um, you just have to experience it. There's really a lot of arguments that we could go into, but it really just comes down to having that faith and, and experiencing what has this what has this ministry and this time together in Colombia done for your faith oh it it has increased it it has tested it before whenever we were looking for places to rent and things like that we would be stressed we'd be very stressed and my dad would always say <laughs> god has it under control there's no need to worry and we would always roll our eyes because we're like, but it's hard, you know, it, it's so hard in the moment. But after seeing some of just the crazy things, like finding the first place just because there was a car, a big semi truck in the middle of the road, like little things like that. And there's been many other things that, especially with, you know, finances, there was a time when we were, we had negative money is what I tell people. We had um, more debt than what we had in savings. Yeah, we didn't have money at all. And just seeing how God has blessed us, you know, to be able to bless others financially and just yeah. all of these things have, they've tested our faith at times, but in the long run has just, I think, made it very strong. Right now, as we talk about uh, looking to buy land or property, we've gone and seen a dozen places, I bet. And they're all, they all seem impossible. It seems like an impossible task. It's expensive. We do not obviously have the money for that right now, but we're like, okay, like whatever, God, you'll take care of it. With the youth group, I was getting a little bit stressed a couple weeks ago because there was 15 kids and I'm, you know, you know, we need to keep social distancing. We need to make sure they're washing their hands. And I'm like, okay, God, you're sending us these kids. Um, 
and we don't have enough space. One new kid keeps coming every week and they stay. <laughs> so like we just, okay. It's a like, testament God, that God's going to take care of it. It's a testament that what you're doing is working and is having an impact on the kids there. Well, it's, it's all the Lord and that gives us the peace that we need is just knowing that it's him that gives us the peace to have the faith that we do. So yeah. I would say it's that faith that equips us to do what we do. Sure. What would be, um, you know, your message to folks who are listening and they've listened to you now for about an hour, um, you know, just sort of bring, put it all in a nutshell for folks that are listening and, and saying, um, what's the best thing we can do to, to help what y'all are doing there. Um, prayer is a very important task. Uh, we always need it, no matter where we are in our ministry or in our personal lives. We always need that prayer because, as we said, uh, our faith that sometimes can be tested by like the obstacles or struggles that we have. And uh, financially, they, this will allow us to, uh, you know, keep growing our, our place and keep letting other people come to our place and. and not just only enjoy uh, a moment of, you know, fun, fun games, or just a moment of different activities. They get to know about Jesus. They, that's, that's our main program. And, uh, and if there is someone out there that is wondering if, you know, is God in control during COVID? Is God doing something during COVID? I can see God moving in even more than ever before. I mean, we have seen, um, people sharing their food. We have seen solid, um, just people being uh, sympathetic like never before. And just in our lives, we were scared at some point that, you know, with the, all the hit that the economy was having, um, that, that was going to affect us. But it ended up being the opposite because we were so blessed that we were able to bless other people. And I think that... Um, that really is just something that puts it out there. Like if you are struggling, if you wonder what God is doing, you just got to know that he has a plan. I can't tell you an argument that is going to convince you, but I can tell you for sure that he changed my life. Well, let me just say, as we wrap up tonight, we've been talking almost an hour from Columbia isn't technology phenomenal another thing that's happened because of covid more people are zooming than i don't even i didn't <laughs> refer to that word in, in the same way a year yeah. ago yeah. Uh, zoom was something i did with my camera when i was out shooting a story but zoom calls uh, allowing us and giving us the opportunity to have a podcast right here in columbus georgia that's originating here but reaching all the way down to you folks in uh, columbia thank you for sharing your faces of faith, your two beautiful faces of faith uh, with us tonight. Uh, again, what you're doing down there is remarkable, uh, Carson, for you to be able to, to pluck up and, and move to another country and to have uh, ASIN take care of you down there and uh, bring uh, this ministry into uh, a position of, of uh, acceptance. And, and I think God has shown you favor in, in where you are by doing what you've been able to do and get the blessing of some of the folks in higher places. I think that's uh, an example of, of the Lord, you know, showing you, uh, some, some favor with the folks down there. So continue uh, doing what you're doing and we will, uh, from time to time dip back in and, and check on you and, and let the folks know how things are going in, uh, Finlandia, Colombia and Armenia. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Phil. Thank you. Appreciate you joining us tonight. We'll want folks to remember that you can watch Faces of Faith. We're going to be streaming live uh, every Thursday night, 7 o'clock. You can go to uh, wrbl.com. We're going to, you actually could watch the replay uh, on our website the next day. It'll actually be there probably later on this evening, but certainly by tomorrow. And coming soon, you can subscribe to the podcast by going to Apple, Spotify, or Audible. That will allow you to listen to the show on the go at your leisure and at your timetable. Before we go, I want to thank Dylan, our director, who is sitting beside me and 
punching the buttons and making sure that we look and sound as good as possible. You always do a phenomenal job. Thank you, Dylan. That's going to do it for another edition of Faces of Faith. Thank you for joining us. And again, till next time, we want to remind you, always remember, whatever you're going through, keep the faith. Good night.